Hello, everyone. Welcome to the last day of five days of Tech Hanukkah. Steve and I recorded these episodes at IMTS, and we're happy to share these with you over the holiday weekend, or holiday week, or holidays. Please enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the AMT Tech Trends podcast. I am Benjamin Moses, the Director of Technology, and I'm here with... Stephen Lamarca, Chief Executive Intern. <laughs> Nicely done, Steve. Thank you. You know, I was uh, scrolling through uh, some news recently, and I found Mars Rover, found some organic material. That's sick. That's sick. I remember back uh, they, oh, oh, years ago, I think I was a kid then, yeah. they found out um, Mars was covered in rust, which mm -hmm. was a sign of water used to being there. Yep. What did they find this time? So they found uh, evidence of uh, more microorganisms in a, in a place that they think uh, was uh, holding water. Like fossilized? Fossilized, yeah. Okay, very cool. So nothing growing yet. Not nothing, nothing's moving. Okay, not <laughs> no ready aliens. for that. <laughs> um, in our previous episodes uh, leading up to IMTS, we've been talking about uh, travel strategies. Yes. Um, making sure you pack your deodorant, making sure you pack your good socks. Tell me what didn't work uh, from your preparation for this trip. So I feel like everything was a success this year. Okay. Um, what I did learn, though, was there are some other things that I didn't think about. Okay. So while, you know, the keys to success are comfy shoes, don't listen to executive staff and wearing dress shoes every day. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm glad that I didn't pack a single dress shirt yep. this time. Um, I like how I'm the complete opposite of your advice. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, comfy shoes. I really... It, I want to sponsor with Allbirds. The gold bond obviously worked beautifully. But uh, one thing that I overlooked and I should have done, totally should have got a pedicure. A pedicure? Yeah. Oh, I didn't think yeah. of that. I don't care, man. I'm a sissy. <laughs> I should have done it. Well, you got to take care of your feet. That's right. One thing I didn't do well is uh, packing. So I packed one suitcase. Mm -hmm. I don't think I packed enough clothes. So I didn't pack enough uh, clothes to exercise in. My wife was making fun of me last night. They had like one one pair of exercise equipment that I've been using throughout the entire week. Yeah, uh, probably not the best for the people around me. But I, what do you I do? think that's more than enough. No, you're if you're exercising, you're supposed to supposed smell. To <laughs> like, isn't that the idea to get disgusting? Also, I didn't pack any casual clothes. So if I go out to dinner, I just wear the same. I take off the oh, tie. <laughs> I did pair that's, pack one pair of shorts. Yeah, that's a good call. That's it. Uh, also, along the lines of strategy, what are your thoughts on? Since we're here, we're here the entire day, the entire week. Yeah. What's your thoughts on uh, exhibit and conference strategies? Exhibit and conference strategies. Um, I can share mine if you. Uh, you go first. So I think the most important thing to do is find a good bathroom you can use. One, mm. it can be close, <laughs> it can be far. Something you got to be comfortable in. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. I don't think anybody will deviate from that. Um, can't remember mine. That's right. We can come back to that. Okay. Um, you've got uh, a couple of people and talk technology you want to yeah, uh, walk so, us through. Yeah. So yesterday, instead of talking about articles, I wanted to talk about one of the my favorite parts of IMTS, the people. Yeah. Um, and when I was out on the the Heidenheim dinner, which was a boat cruise, right, on the lake, which really cool. Uh, and some of my favorite food, by the way, <laughs> of the trip. Um, I got to meet the 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 founders behind this company called multi-axis technologies cool. and naturally being the Heidenheim dinner they use exclusively Heidenheim machines yep so 
I learned a lot about their machines from them. Uh, the owners being Jay Simpson and Daisy Kelly, cool. uh, who have a fantastic story, by the way. But my favorite thing to talk about when it came to Heidenheim to take this back to space and Mars, um, Heidenheim makes the rotary encoders mm -hmm. for the positional accuracy of the James Webb Space Telescope oh, cool. and the new giant Magellan Telescope that's being uh, installed in Chile. Right. Um, so that's that's like my favorite talking points for those <laughs> companies. They also make great machine tools and controls too. Um, so great, in fact, that these guys, Jay and Daisy at Multi-Axis Technologies, they refuse to use controls by any other company. Wow. Um, they're like the West Coast, uh, you know, is all about these control brands, but we're trying to uh, source and find suppliers for these controllers and these machines being Heidenheim. Right. Um, and also they have a really good background because they both are alumni of Blue Origin. Oh, that's they came fantastic. from Blue Origin originally. Kind of a big deal. Again, going back to space. So naturally, uh, it, it ties back into that company too. Yep. Um, but yeah, they were they were uh, manufacturing engineers at Blue Origin and wanted to escape corporate America. Okay. Which seems to be a a trend. Um, because at the show, I was fortunate enough to also, another great person that we love, AMT loves, uh, Roby Lynn. Sure. A PhD <laughs> alum of Georgia Tech. Uh, he's got his own company now. Cool. Him and his wife have a company, a manufacturing company, naturally. Yep. And, you know, they were, you know, while well, he was considering working with some, like, you know, government contract or some big corporate companies, and they were like, you know what? Of course, being Roby, a PhD student, it's like, I don't want to be told what to do anymore. <laughs> I've, I've lived enough of my life being told what to do. I'm ready to do it myself. And now, nice. you know, he's, you know, walking around the show wearing five different pairs of Allen Edmonds. So <laughs> respect. Good for you. I keep I'm, forgetting. How I'm glad he's made it. I keep forgetting how tall Roby is. Roby's super tall. <laughs> I've got a, uh, an interesting article on seven, uh, where, seven ways wearables are revolutionizing the industry workplaces. So... Wearables, uh, you know, sensors on shirts, sleeves. Um, this is fairly simple uh, use cases, but I thought it was interesting because we are talking about some of the most advanced uh, manufacturing technology here. Uh, we're also uh, talking about what's occurring in the factory and uh, how uh, workers can work around those, the, the factory. Okay. Uh, one of the things they talk about is AR glasses, augmented reality. It'd be glasses or devices. You know, you could use your tablet also, so you don't have to go all in on glasses, right? Yeah. Um, but the... Uh, um, the use case they talk about is uh, extending the experience level. So um, large factories, small factories, uh, we kind of mentioned this yesterday a little, uh, a little bit also, is um, uh, multiplying your experienced engineers. So as you're bringing a new staff, that mentorship is tough to do one-on-one uh, -on -one and scale that one-on-one uh, right. -on -one mentorship. So deploying AR and having uh, a single source, all that communication go back to your experienced uh, mentor uh, allows you to scale up fairly well. So I thought that was a interesting sure. approach. Not straightforward, but a valuable use case. Right. Uh, the other one is preventing collisions. You know, this is one thing I didn't think of too much, but when we walk around the IMTS and see a lot of uh, the AMRs and um, AGVs and IMRs. Yeah. Uh, and not only the um, autonomous vehicles, but obviously there's the manned vehicles still, right? So uh, preventing collisions for forklifts and other pieces of heavy equipment. 
So forklifts come flying around the corner. Obviously, you can have mirrors yeah. or instructions say stop. Sure, that works, but uh, they also go through a couple of use cases of um, humans wearing wearables and um, uh, devices on the forklift that if they're too close to each other, they'll start warning each other uh, that the forklift is nearby or there's danger nearby. So that, that's very valid in a lot of you know, large-scale um, uh, work environments. Uh, we're getting uh, good. So, so my disagreement is, and, and I want to hear your retort to this. Right. For the most part, I think wearables are pretty much useless sure. and a marketing ploy. Yep. For example, I think the most successful wearable out there is the Apple Watch. Sure. And Apple only made it because they don't think they're selling enough phones, even right. though they come out with a new one every three months, and every Apple junkie needs to absolutely go out and buy it. And I hope I'm offending some people right now. I genuinely do. Um, but uh, yeah, it's sure. If you're somebody that needs to constantly monitor blood pressure or sure. some, you know, something like that, an Apple Watch is great because you'll get a emergency notification like, hey, your blood sugar is really low. Go eat a candy bar or something like that. They actually do that, yeah. which I think is cool. But you know, it goes. It goes back to my original uh, uh, opinion of Apple that that company in general is for two people, um, creative geniuses <laughs> and old people who need an easy technology user interface. Right. And statistically, too many people appreciate that. Yeah. It's like, you're not a creative genius. <laughs> and if you're not old, you shouldn't have an Apple. Like, right. You know, but anyway, uh, that's besides the point. What... Other than that, one company that kind of caught me off guard that I do appreciate their wearables is Hilti, sure. a power tool company. Right. And they make an exoskeleton for yep. lifting up riveting guns, um, you know, something like a Sawzall or a huge handheld power tool. Right. They have an exoskeleton to reduce the fatigue. Yep. And while some people are against that, and it's like, you know, you know, you have these things called muscles that you can build <laughs> over time. Well, you know, sure, you right. can build muscle to, you know, wield a riveting gun for hours on end while you're young. Yep. But what kind of damage are you doing to your body in the future? And what kind of, uh, what kind, what are you going to alleviate by recovering from that? What, what are you going to alleviate by using an exoskeleton while you're right. young? Right. You know, are you going to be one of those old people that's constantly <laughs> crouched over? You don't want to live like that. No. And you cer certainly don't want to yeah. end up like that. So so when it comes to wearables, I respect Hilti. Yeah. And I think they're a really cool power tool company. But, you know, what do you say? So I'll get back to your first point about um, uh, using your phone as your main device. So I go back and forth about dedicated devices versus uh, converging everything to your phone. Right. Um, I'm on the fence about that, and specifically the uh, on the shop floor, the main concern I have is all your communication funneling, funneling through your phone. Right. You know, how do you know it's vibrating for a forklift nearby versus a random text message? Right. So I, you know, I, it could be the center of your um, communication hub, and maybe uh, sensors and devices on top of that. So. Maybe you have a, a, a wrist that um, uh, lights up when something's yeah. nearby. Um, yeah, so I'm on the well, fence about that. So, okay, I actually have another retort to that. Yeah. Because, you know, if you're bad at time management, right. you don't blame the watch. I mean, maybe I do. And it's like, <laughs> it's another reason to buy another expensive, fancy mechanical sure. watch. But, like, if you're bad at time management, you don't blame the watch. Sure. That's on you. 
if you're getting too many notifications coming through your phone and right. they're distracting you from the important ones, sure. you know, you can adjust what notifications are actually pushed True. through to you. True. The, the future is going to be about, you know, time management is not going anywhere, <laughs> but also notification management because yeah. we're not getting rid of mobile devices. Right. Your daughter got her first computer at what age? Uh, five. Does she have a phone yet? She has a tablet. I'm chatting to her through uh, Gchat on It's incredible. <laughs> start start getting her learned on notification <laughs> management. All right, let's jump back to your other point about um, uh, maximizing human in, uh, ability. So exoskeletons. Yes. Definitely, there's definitely a future state where that's useful. Um, and the argument of just build more muscles doesn't make sense, right? Yeah. Um, you can prevent a lot more injuries. Um, but also here, uh, in one of the booths, there's a collaborative assisted robotics ro robot where they're presenting the, mm. uh, the bicycle to an operator at ergonomic heights. Yeah. So it's the converse of the exoskeleton where the uh, tool is uh, preventing injuries by um, always working in the correct orientation. So that was a fantastic. Now, are you going to do that all the time for bikes? An uh, interesting uh, use case like that? Maybe not, but you can extend that to other heavy devices. So if I'm working on a transmission, working right. on you know, uh, something heavy, yeah. It could definitely be a scenario where you don't have to be on the bench, you know, moving around, breaking your back trying to get to a part, put on the robot and have it move towards you. One of my friends uh, who's a mechanic on Facebook just opened up his first shop that he owns himself. And he posted a picture recently of like this dude wearing like a, a machinist apron and holding a transmission. Right. And his comment on it, the, the dumb things that we did when we were young, <laughs> we're paying for now. Yeah. So. I did the, the exoskeletons discussion holds true to that. That's a good one. Um, and some of these are, the last couple I have are related back to uh, uh, location and yeah. communication, uh, fighting disease outbreak. And um, so during COVID, there was a lot of use cases where they would pair sensors to a bunch of people. Right. And if they got too close, um, they would start uh, beeping that you're too close. Uh, hard knocks covered that quite a bit during the NFL season yeah. where they deployed a lot of these sensors. I thought that was great when you're trying to determine what is actually six feet. I remember I was in the UPS store during COVID and I was constantly being yelled at by being too close. I was like, I don't know how, I stretched my arms out. You stretch your arms out, that's six feet, I guess, but right. the um, lady at the front desk didn't like me much. <laughs> um, go ahead. Nope. And Keep the last going. one is uh, detecting uh, hazards, so uh, potential uh, uh, gases. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a fairly, you know, if you're working in the field, mm -hmm. that's a fairly uh, important point. And I'll probably extend this to the manufacturing floor also. I mean. Uh, uh, coolant issues and catching uh, infections from coolant. I mean, that's still a problem. Sure. So I think sensors to help alleviate that would definitely be beneficial. So um, those are the couple of use cases that I got. Um, and they do mention a useful one, helping provide helpful information. Uh, that's kind of a weak argument, but I, to be fair, using the IMTS app to navigate through IMTS, <laughs> I mean, that's not bad. Right. So if you're in a factory, probably not 1.2 million square feet, but if you're in a big factory, yeah, figuring out where you are and how to get to a place you've never been through a, a Google map type of your factory, that's actually not bad. That's something True. That I find True. beneficial. Cool. You've got a couple others that yeah, we want to hit so on. So I, we, during the Tom and Lonnie chat, or, or actually no. Um, so one of my writers and editors that helps me, you know, hold a job here. Yep. Uh, Christy <laughs> yeah. was, we were fortunate enough to have her at IMTS and she emailed us um, a few days before the show 
And she was like, hey, if you guys find any time throughout the week, can you take me on the tour? Sure. Yeah. I'll write an article about like, you know, the highlights of the show yep. and uh, put it in your voice, of course. And um, just, just, she asked, she wanted us to take on a tour. Did you get a chance to take her on a tour? I did, we went on okay. a tour. Yep. So she wanted my take on a tour too. And I only had an hour with her and we barely covered South Hall, but it was a good run through. And I really wanted to show her Penta Machine, um, which I know I've formerly known as Pocket NC, and I know I've blabbed about them a lot. But before getting to Penta, because uh, you walk in the South Hall, immediately go to the left wall and walk down the wall, um, said, well, no, we're getting close as soon as you see Oak Ridge National Labs. Right. And as soon as I saw the, the, the Ornall booth, she mentioned, wait a minute, do they have the moonshot on on display here, yep. uh, the 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 additive manufactured chassis that they filled with concrete yep. um, instead of using cast iron. Yep. And so I'm explaining the significance to her about using uh, 3D printed sort of mold filled with concrete instead of cast iron for a machine tool base or a machine tool foundation, and. Uh, explaining, you know, the effects of like a tuning fork with metal versus if you made a tuning fork with concrete, you're yeah. just going to get a thud. There's a lot of vibration dampening advantages with using concrete. Right. Plus, you can source it everywhere. You don't need to, you don't need to ship a big chunk of metal across the world if it's a, uh, a global installation. Um, all that stuff. And then, uh, you know, one of the Oak Ridge National Lab uh, booth people yeah. comes up, probably with, you know, one or two or three PhDs, and I'm just like, oh, do me a favor, fill in anything that I may have missed. Right. And he goes on, and he's just like confirming everything that I've said so far. And he also mentions that also take note of the part in the machine right now because yeah. they were air cutting a uh, a demo part that they had already cut. Um, and he he glanced over, like he mentioned it, but like sped over the fact that the part in the machine was larger than the footprint right. of the machine. Yep. The part being manufactured made larger surface area than the footprint of the machine itself. And I, I paused him and I emphasized what a big deal that is to Chrissy <laughs> right. because since the dawn of time, no, no realistically, <laughs> since the dawn of the manufacturing industry, people have wanted to see machines smaller than the parts that they are making right and it's sort of like a perpetual motion it's sort of you know of, of, of it's something that's not can't really happen but people have gotten really close and it was cool seeing Ornell have having got there yeah. and i explained this you know i was just going on waxing poetic about that <laughs> significance and uh the guy the guy at Ornell's booth was like man you pretty much covered everything. Can you work for us? And it was just, it was just validation. And I was like, yes. That's fantastic. You know, I might not have my, I might not be a doctor, but I can play ball. You can play ball. It was awesome. <laughs> just pat on my back real quick. Since we're towards the end of IMTS, there's one thing I want to uh, ask you about uh, out and about being in the big city. Um, what was your favorite dish this week? Okay, so I'm not going to say pizza because I've been banned from saying pizza. <laughs> Um, but I will say, last night, I had my favorite meal. Um, 
we went to a pub. We tried to get into this fancy like French restaurant that was a burger place, and right. apparently they have like a three-hour wait. I forget the name three of it. It, was, it, but it was something French. And I was like, what do they? Know? What do the French know about making a burger? <laughs> what are they gonna do? Wrap it in their flag, a white napkin, um, and they. Uh, so we, so we didn't want to wait three hours. So we went like uh, adjacent across the intersection right. to a place called uh, Hager's Town okay. um, Brewery and Pub. And the, uh, the burger that I had there was called the Big Mick. And it was a spinoff of a Big Mac, right. but made with actual like fresh ingredients and cool. made from scratch in-house minus the brioche bun. They were <laughs> they fully disclosed that. Yeah. But it was a strong brioche bun. I'm typically against a brioche bun yeah. on a burger because um, you know that dainty little sweet French bread can't hold up to all the juices of an American <laughs> patty. And but this one did well. I think it was p- potato brioche. Yeah. And it it held its ground nice. um and it was just like it was just like if mcdonald's decided as a corporate company to shut down all of their locations and be like listen for one night we're gonna make a proper burger yeah and that that's what it tasted nice. like nice and plus their cheese curds their fried cheese curds were really awesome <laughs> it was like a fancy mozzarella sticks yeah really really tasty stuff so a couple yeah, that was my favorite meal there's a couple ways i measured the best meal so i did have a good burger yeah um i like a fairly simple burger but i was just craving a just a big burger with a, on a pretzel bun. Yeah. And it just felt good to have a simple burger with just cheese and on a pretzel bun. But uh, usually when I call home uh, in the evenings, uh, I, what else am I going to talk about? Talk about the food that I had the night before with my wife. Um, and uh, the reaction that I get based on what I tell her I had, that's the, uh, my best dish of the night. So I think the lobster with poutine was probably the best dish yes, I've had. Yes, I'm so glad unique, you mentioned that. It was fantastic. Just because I'll admit, I was ragging on you for ordering food at the your hotel b- lobby bar. Yep. I was like, this is this is hotel food. It's going to be overpriced. It's going to underdeliver. Yep. But that lobster poutine that we shared with Sharab yep. um, was the best lobster dish, was the best loaded cheese fries dish, and best poutine that I'd ever had. And I will die on that hill. That's also the place where we got the best drink. The espresso yes. martini. The espresso martini with Koval coffee liqueur. Yep. I've mentioned it three days in a row now. <laughs> uh, why don't we wrap up with uh, one more um, uh, technology and uh, person that you met? So let's, you know, close the loop and go back to the beginning with the Mars rover. Yep. Uh, one of the last fantastic and, and fascinating people I got to uh, talk to this week, uh, this president and CEO and uh, chief window washer. Chief window he <laughs> said that, not me, at Fabrisonic, okay. Mark Norfolk. Yep. He, um, talking to him was a great beard. Great full beard, by the way. There's but, been some um, good beards here. There's some really strong <laughs> beards at IMT, yes. Anyway, Mark um, showed me this uh, heat exchanger manifold that they made for NASA. Okay. Um, and sadly, it would have been on the Mar- Mars rover. It's all over space, right. like it's in a bunch of satellites. It's up there. It's sadly, it's not on the Mars rover because they submitted it and got it to NASA on time, mm-hmm. but they were behind on their testing and uh, didn't get to test it in time. So right. they sent the Mars rover up with, I will say, an inferior heat exchanger, <laughs> and um, they ended up. They they did. It was certified for uh, space cool. by NASA. Um, 
and it's on everything else NASA uses, but it just didn't make it on the Mars rover. Yeah. So they didn't get to say that. But you know what? I'm hooking them up by mentioning that at least. <laughs> That's great. Thanks, Mark. The, um, the last uh, thing that I wanted to mention was the uh, uh, changes in safety with the robotics. Okay. Um, the VO booth over there has a We've great... We've seen some boost. great safety advances from robotics. I also like how they tell the story. So they have uh, safeguarding through vision system and communicating, uh, turning on and off the robot based on distances and the future of where the robot could be. So I definitely recommend taking a, taking a look at how they're telling the story of kind of... It, it clearly demonstrates the... Um, logic behind their technology, and yeah. it's a great demonstrator. Did do they? I didn't get a chance to talk to them yet. Are they using lidar? I forgot the underlying sensors that they're using. It's, it's really cool, though. You see yourself on yep. the screen as you're approaching the robot right. in whatever vision that is, but yeah. it's not like an ordinary camera. Yep. Um, Yeskawa has something very similar to it. But what's really cool about Vio, and I think I've mentioned this before. That's not a cobot that they right. have in there. That's a full industrial robot. That's a full-on industrial, high-speed, high-strength yep. uh, cobot swinging around. Like, like if you collided with that, and it's hanging from like the ceiling, or it's mounted it's on, on the, the wall, or something crazy yep. like that. And if you walk into it, it's smacking you in the dome. And if you get hit by an industrial robot moving around that fast, <laughs> that weighs a lot. Right. You're done. Yep. You're not waking up from that one. Yep. And. They just have it here on just the show swinging floor, around. swinging around and try to go get hit by it, yep. and it won't happen. To be fair, there are a couple of other boots uh, that are demonstrating similar passive technologies about controlling the robot. So yep. I definitely there like are. this uh, feature extension of controlling industrial robots or providing safeguarding for industrial robots outside of a fence. One of them even caught me off guard. So um, United Grinding yeah. has a FANUC collaborative robot in their booth. And I got really close to it because I wanted to see what it was demonstrating. Mm -hmm. And I was getting, I was standing there getting irritated because I was like, why is it, why did it slow down? Yeah. I'm just trying to see what it's doing. Right. And I realized, oh, you got closer to it, dumb dumb. <laughs> like if you back up, it'll start moving <laughs> fast again. So it wasn't even thinking. That is funny when you get to walk to a booth and you're trying to figure out what's going on. You realize, <laughs> oh, and you have to call like, yourself dumb dumb. Why did it stop? <laughs> That's fantastic. So I think you got one more we can wrap one up with. One more. I got to meet this nice lady after doing um, the AM4U uh, Additive Jeopardy, AM yep. Jeopardy session. Was it that? No, it wasn't. It was after I did the AM4U, um, the, the fantastic news right. that Nina, Dayton, and I have reported on throughout the year, or at least shared with each other throughout the year. Um, CEO of Interspectral, Isabel Hatchett from Sweden. Cool. Um, she came from the medical CT industry okay. and, or, and um, came to the manufacturing industry uh, with a huge focus on digital twin. Yep. Metrology powered digital twin. And we had a nice discussion about how it's like, it's wild that digital twin isn't as much of a thing in manufacturing as it is in medical. Yep. Because we both uh, mentioned that, and she said the same thing with her dentist, both our dentists have digital twins of our mouths. <laughs> no matter how creepy that may be to right. some people that don't go to the dentist, shame on you. Um, my digital twin, or my dentist has a digital <laughs> twin of my mouth to like monitor every year, see what's changed. If I'm right. grinding at night, you know, am I brushing good enough? Do I need to lay off the sweets? Stuff like that. And, and she was like, yeah. All of that, everything you said, 
that needs to be in the manufacturing industry more. Right. Right. You know, just just monitoring parts coming off the machine, batches yeah. and whatnot. That's good. Steve, I think it was a fantastic episode. It was what a blast. are you looking forward to in the future? Give me your quick hot take. Uh, going to bed. Going to bed. <laughs> Getting some rest. Getting some rest. Uh, I think so far I've put in close to eight to nine miles a day. So getting uh, off of feet for a little bit. nerd. <laughs> okay, good for you. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure okay, you've done the same. What am I looking forward to? I'm looking forward to uh, uh, AM brake rotors. AM, <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, that was cool seeing it at Elementum 3D. Right. Um, I'm definitely interested to see the different use cases that are going to come back to IMTS in two years from now. Yeah. I think from previous uh, IMTSs to this one, the story of automation has definitely changed in how they're uh, telling, talking about use cases. Here. Yeah. So I'm definitely more interested in seeing uh, the advanced use cases that are going to explore. Oh, another thing really cool. I was pumped to, after after our spot on the stage yesterday, I mentioned um, Elementum 3D, Jake Neckerlein, um, Dr. Jake Neckerlein, uh, had, had told me that molybdenum, molly, is like no longer the new hotness yep. in AM. Well, that was like, you know, five years ago. Right. The new stuff is rhenium. And when I got off the stage, this, this guy comes up to me and he's like, I, I love that fate just allowed me to hear you mention AM Rhenium. <laughs> so I had to ask you, I had to wait for you to finish and so I could ask you, what do you know about uh, grinding and material processing Rhenium? It's like, wow. I don't know. I just heard, learned the word yesterday. <laughs> so, but I would go to West Building, yeah. see Elementum 3D and talk to him because he probably in this whole show knows the most about AM Rhenium. Yeah, that's fantastic. Great show, yes. great week. Yes. We made it. We did, almost, we're like, like, we're right there. Where can they find more info about us? amtonline.org slash resources. You can also find us here at the show, but I'm tired. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone.